and we're back with another episode of the Carolina Snowflakes podcast. I'm your host, Jason. And I'm Amanda. And we're going to be doing something new here, because uh, Amanda doesn't know what we're going to be talking about for the next couple episodes. Right, I'm in the dark. Yeah, so I, I, I've thought of a good way to introduce this, and I'm going to start off by, by, asking you, by asking you a question, okay? Do you, remember, do you remember one time when you and I were driving down the road, and I sort of out of nowhere just looked over and asked you the question, uh, what do you, what do you think about Carthage? I do remember that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What was you, what, what was your reaction to that? Uh, intense and immediate rage. <laughs> yeah. I think I threatened to to pull over and put you out. Uh huh. Because I was driving. Yeah, you were driving. What were you upset about? Why Carthage? Yeah. We were literally on the way to get groceries. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a conversation with me <laughs> about Carthage? About Carthage, yes. Well, it was pretty funny uh, because we're we're not really going to talk about Carthage very much in this episode, but it is going to be part of the story. <laughs> Great. So Carthage. Well, is you know, come it's up. a it's a trigger for me. So I know. Be warned. I know. Well, I wanted to get that out of the way so the audience would understand in case you just like inexplicably rage that that's the reason why. But I thought it was it's pretty funny that that happened and I. That's just the way my mind works. I find like stories from the past very interesting, and sometimes I just want to talk about them. Yeah, but you know, normal people are like, "How was your day?" Yeah, like have an introduction. <laughs> Did you like, do anything interesting? Mm-hmm. Not you. No. It's, so, what are your thoughts on Carthage? <laughs> I don't know. That doesn't seem that weird to me, but it was very weird to you. <laughs> so. I wanted to know if you knew this, because I've just recently found this out. Did you know that all these same people, all of these people I'm about to list, were alive at the same time? Cleopatra, Hannibal, Spartacus, Julius Caesar, Mark Antony, Cicero, Brutus, and Pompey the Great. And then, boom, right after them, Jesus. Wait, Jesus was alive then, or just... Right after right all to- them. Oh, okay. Like, at the very end of their lives, mm-hmm. that's when Jesus showed up. Um, I didn't know that. I mean, obviously I did know some of them cause didn't old Cleo like hook up with a few of those guys. <laughs> yes. Yes, she did. And she she did. banged like three quarters yeah, of them. Yeah. She did bang a few of those guys indeed. Yeah. Um, but they're all really pretty famous names. Like you've at least heard all those names. Yes. And it never occurred to me that they were all living in one lifetime, like in one time period, all those people around. And then pretty much right after all of them died, Jesus showed up, and that's when time starts, right? <laughs> yeah, what is that before, though? That just doesn't count. Uh, it's B.C., before before Jesus. <laughs> okay. So it's just interesting that, like, all these people were around at the same time, and, and what was also happening about that same time is arguably the first recorded genocide in all of history. Mm. There was slavery. There was a shitload of civil war. And the Roman Republic fell from a republic and turned into an empire and got a dictator. Uh-huh. And that all happened during that, like, hundred years, that last hundred years before Jesus. And then Jesus showed up. And ruined everything. <laughs> yeah. And everything was fucking crazy. I didn't know that. That that kind of blew, like, putting that all together blew my mind. Like, that's that's... That seems like a crazy time period. I mean, what a time to be alive. What a time to be alive indeed. I didn't know this either, but at the same time, Rome was the largest city in the entire world, aside from whatever was going on here in North America. <laughs> See, I need a little disclaimer here that we don't know what was happening in North America during most of ancient history. Uh, well, I mean, we have some 
some ideas. Yeah, we got some artifacts and yeah, native histories. But we don't have the kind of uh, data that we have of, say, Rome. Sure. And so when I say the biggest city in the world, I, I mean that we know of. Right. So yeah. what I'm saying is they had a, a million people in the city of Rome back then. That is a hopping metropolis. Think about how many people that is. It wasn't until around 850 AD that a city in China got to a million people. So for almost a thousand years, that was the biggest city that had ever been, hmm. which is pretty crazy to think about. Like that's it pretty is. nuts. So there was like a lot of people, a lot of really famous people. And we started recording time from right around now. So it seems like it was an important period of time. Mm. I thought it was all because of Jesus, but as it turns out, no, there were some other really important people around that time and some important <laughs> shit going on. You who know? knew? Yeah, who, who, who knew? So th- I want to talk specifically about one guy whose lifetime was during that hundred years, basically, and he was involved and participated directly in most of the major events that happened, but he wasn't one of the names that I listed. But he was there. He was there for all of it, and he participated in most of it. Weird. Yeah. The guy we're going to talk about is a dude named Cato. C-A-T-O. Cato. You may have heard of the Cato Institute. It's a libertarian organization. It's named after this guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, All right. Cato is, as I'm titling the episode, a uh, crazy dude from history times. So that's what what this is is titled. (laughs) Cato, a crazy dude from history times. His, His real name was Marcus Portius Cato, but it happened in ancient Rome where... That wasn't even his actual original name. His great-grandfather had the same name. And a thing that happened that the Romans used to do that's, like, really fucking confusing is if some dude did something, even if it wasn't very cool, like, even if what he did was bad, he would get a name like The Great or, like, Bearer of the People. And then, like, six or seven other really important dudes would just name themselves the same fucking name because... That's how they rolled back then. So you end up, I guess because there was only like seven names for people. <laughs> I don't know why, but a lot of people end up with the same fucking name, which can be really confusing. You know, when I studied Latin mm-hmm. and we had to read texts, mm-hmm. there was a lot of the same name. Yeah. And in particular, his name, the character in pretty much everything I read in Latin was Publius. Publius, yeah. Uh-huh. So you, 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 that starts to happen and gets a little confusing, so we're going to try to m- muddle through it, but I think we can make it. I didn't know it was because they were limited on names. I, I, just, I mean, that's just my I guess. I just thought they were lazy. Well, it was like a thing to do to get like a get like a, an epic mononym, like be the great or the, the, mm. the, the conqueror, and then like other people were like, oh, dude, your name was whatever the conqueror, so I'm going to name myself that too. Rex, I like that. I'm going to be Rex too. And then next thing you know, there's like six important people from history all with the same name. And so when you're like, we're going to talk about Cato, you're like, which Cato? The one, you know what I mean? Uh, so we're talking about the guy who's usually known as Cato the Younger uh, because he's the most, he's the youngest of the important Catos. So there were Catos before him. Yes, there were. Oh, goodness. Okay. Yeah. So I'm going to read this that I wrote real quick. Some of the things that we can learn about this time is like how republics can fall, how civil war starts, how genocide happens, how our government can be obstructionist, how the filibuster works, the problems with the Senate, problems with slavery and land ownership. In fact, our government is directly influenced by what happened in this time and even by Cato specifically. 
George Washington loved Cato. His favorite play was a play written in 1713 by this dude, Joseph Addison. And he wrote a play called Cato, A Tragedy. And this was the most popular play for 100 years in America. Um, it was the longest-running play until Death of a Salesman came along. So, Wow. Th- yeah, this play was humongous. People fucking loved it, which is really nuts. And George Washington quoted it all the time. And I'm going to read a quote. Here's from, according to the Washington Library, Washington shared Addison's enthusiasm for Cato's self-sacrificing Republican virtue and frequently quoted from Addison's play, both as commander-in-chief and commander of the Continental Army and as president. So... George Washington loved it. He talked about it all the time. He was quoting it all day, every day. Yeah, and he even staged a play of it at at a Valley Forge for the troops to, like, inspire the troops. Hmm. Because Cato is commonly known as, like, Rome's last citizen. So, like, he was the last guy before it turned into an empire. Like, he, you could say, metaphorically, he was the last dude. After he was gone... They're an empire. Hmm. So it's really pretty interesting. Like, he's a very interesting character. He's kind of right-wing, but he's also not. You're going to learn that, like, there's no direct analogy for Cato himself, but for the people around him, you'll find that a lot of them resemble figures we have in the government today. Oh, yeah. Um, Because the thing is, we modeled our government after these people. And Rome had... Okay, when it was founded, it had had a few kings, but in around like 500 BC, they they overthrew their last king and became a republic. And for like hundreds of years, they didn't have a, a single ruler. It was it was ruled by a senate for like hundreds of years, which is pretty impressive. That is, and they had a track record where they never lost for 200 years any battles. Well, they lost battles, no wars. So the thing about Rome is they all they never ran out of people. They, they would lose battles all the time, but, like, they would just send more guys, mm-hmm. which is really fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. So they, they there was one battle. Hannibal, you may have heard of him. Is that the guy that took the elephants yes, over the mountains? Yes, over, over the Alps, yeah. Uh-huh. That guy surrounded uh, uh, the Roman army and killed so many people that it was 10% of the males of all of Rome. Wow. 10% of all the males and about 50% of the Senate. So you now have, because the senators had to fight. So you have half. Wait, so like Chuck Schumer? Yes. Imagine (laughs) Chuck Schumer and half the house. Interesting. And 10% of all men die in a day. Lindsey Graham? Yeah, in a day. I can imagine it. Yeah. That, it was a pretty big deal. But guess what? They came back and won against Hannibal. They didn't lose. That's the thing Rome had going for it, is that it could lose tenth of its male population and half its government and come back and beat you somehow which is pretty fucking impressive if you really think about it it is yeah so i want to go a little bit more into like the influences of cato in modern times before i get into his personal life story but there is an interesting article that i read from middle tennessee university during the like 1720 to 1723 there was a couple of people in america who were writing a bunch of articles that they were getting published in the London Journal, and they were writing under the name Cato. And the, there was 144 of these, they were called Cato's Letters. Mm-hmm. And the reason they wrote under the name Cato is because they believed a lot of what Cato believed. That play was very, very popular. And so they were writing under his name. But let me read you this quote to show you how big of an impact this had on the like beginning of America. 
According to this Middle Tennessee University article, no single work has had as much direct influence on the revolutionary generation's understanding of free speech and conscience as did Cato's letters. And the First Amendment drew much of its language from Cato, who wrote that the people must be able to represent their public grievances and petition for redress to those whose duty it is to write them. So Cato was our founding father. In a way, yeah. In a <laughs> way, this dude that we're getting ready to talk about from ancient Rome had as much of an impact on the First Amendment and the way our country is run as any human in history. Huh. Which is really kind of nuts because you don't even really hear about this dude very much. No. And it's because, part of the reason is because of those other people I mentioned earlier. So you have Cleopatra, Hannibal, Spartacus, Caesar, Mark Antony, Brutus, Pompey the Great. All these people were really fucking famous. And then Jesus. And I think it kind of overshadowed Cato, at least in our history. But that wasn't always the case. It, especially during the early 1700s, uh, which is really weird, hmm. but it's true. Had you ever heard of this dude before? I don't think so, no. Yeah. No. But you've heard of the Cato Institute. I have. Yeah, they're like libertarian. I just didn't really know what it was. Yeah, it's just like honest. a libertarian think tank. Huh, okay. Mm-hmm. So now that we know why we're talking about Cato, let's start at like the beginning. So he was born in 95 BC. Which, so a hundred years before <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, I know. And to think this dude had as much of an impact on our government as anybody is mind-boggling. Mm. It's mind-bottling or boggling. Either one. <laughs> it's either one. You gotta bottle your mind, You gotta man. bottle your mind. So before I like get into that, I gotta kind of set the, the, the world stage. So Rome was a republic in like, the true sense of the word. Like I said, it was run by the Senate. And the city was growing fast as shit. We're approaching a million people. And so politics starts to become much more modern. And they had this thing called the Forum, which was like a combination of like an amphitheater and then a shopping mall, maybe. Mm -hmm. So it's like a big stage that wasn't really that big that was surrounded by seats. And then those were surrounded by shops. And so like people would come there and hang out there all day. And people on stage would like try to convince you of things Mm -hmm. because very much like our system. Uh, rich people just bought votes. <laughs> of course they did. Yeah. So to become a senator, you you had to be rich and popular and, you know, get your military ranks. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. But you also had to, like, give poor people food. They, had, they didn't really have a government welfare system. The way that it worked is rich people gave poor people food for their votes. So you would get what was called clients, and you would get a bunch of clients, and you could have thousands of them and be like, I've got this... 5,000 clients. So basically, if I say for them to vote this way on this issue, they're all going to do it. So there wasn't even any real point in actually having to vote sometimes. Because like, if enough people said, I have enough clients, then the thing just happened. You didn't even have to do the vote. Hmm. Which is really crazy. So it's like the illusion of democracy. And those 5,000 clients were people that you were feeding? Yeah. Hmm. And, and you as a poor person would just pick the one who's offering you the most money. Or the most stuff. Now... I'm pretty sure that we have current times um, politicians picking up and hauling around homeless folks. Yes. To get their votes. Uh huh. Get them registered to vote. Yeah. And also going around and doing town halls and talking to people one on one. Like it's Mm -hmm. not that foreign of an idea, though, the way we do it today. It's kind of similar. It's very similar. You're going to notice that's going to come up a lot. A lot of the things that were going on back then line up with what happens today because you have to remember this is the end of the Republic, civil war, and the birth of an empire, Mm. a dictatorship. And so, (laughs) is it. 
Is it a coincidence that it lines up a lot with today? Yeah, it makes me go like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait, so then they did this, and then that happened, uh-huh. and then this happened, and then they were, oh, what? Uh-huh. Oh, no. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> yeah, it's not just this guy that we're talking about. It's the fact that he lived perfectly during this time period and was part of everything that makes him a really good, like, anchor to tell the story from, which I think is really cool. So, like I said, his great-grandfather was also named Marcus Portius Cato, So, we're going to call him Cato the Elder. He was an important statesman and also a military general, as you had to be at the time. Because, like you said earlier, if you're Chuck Schumer, back in ancient Roman times, you had to go with an army and fight a fucking war. And, like, you could die. That's wild. (laughs) Yeah, which is pretty awesome. I think we should adopt that policy. I feel like, of all the things, like, why didn't we keep that? Yeah, I know. Could you imagine Ted Cruz, like, in a tank? Just like, (laughs) oh, man, that would be fantastic. So this grandfather, dude, he worked, or great-grandfather, he worked his way up in the confusing and convoluted Roman hierarchy. It actually has a name called the Cursus Honorum, which is like the order of public offices that you have to, like, climb in order to be a, a politician. And just, you may have heard some of these names before. The, the, the ranks are like Quester, Aedile, Praetor, Consul, Governor, Censor, Tribune, and Dictator. Mm-hmm. Those are some of the titles, and uh, dictator was like an emergency one. They own the Senate could vote for a dictator, and it had a time limit on it. So, so sometimes you just need a yeah. momentary dictator. Yeah, and the tribunes they had a. It's interesting they had a tribune for the plebs, which was they couldn't be noble. It had to be a poor person, and the tribunes made a lot of fucking money and were actually really highly ranked. So that was like kind of like the House of Representatives in a way. A little more wily, yeah, more squirrely. Yeah, and so tribunes are always <laughs> tribunes are always interesting, and they can be bribed. And since the tribune of the plebs was always a poor person, he's pretty much perpetually bribed. Hmm. So that that's not that different from today either. That like the lower government people are perpetually bribed. Like that's that all tracks <laughs> for America. The, like you're gonna. It's pretty clear to me after reading a lot of this that, like, ancient Rome is the most American fucking place I've ever heard. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Really all of it. It really does. So, Censor was, like, a pretty high up one. Like I said, it was really only... There was, like, tribunes and dictator. That's really all you can go after that. But brief, momentary dictator. Yeah. And and then there was a thing called pro-council, which was, like, some combination between president and council that was pretty high up. And it's all very convoluted, and what's funny is there are diagrams of, like, the, the charts that explain the, like, Roman hierarchy system, and they're just as confusing as if you tried to understand the American system and you weren't familiar with it. So, like, the way we have judges, congressmen, senators, uh, representatives, secretary of treasury, secretary of defense, secretary of state, uh, like that. They just mm-hmm. had different names, but it was just as convoluted and weird, and it's not necessarily a straight ladder up. Right. Yeah, so that can get confusing, so I'm not going to heart much on what people's actual fucking titles are because it's confusing. But he worked his way up all the way to the top. Hit the grandfather? Grandfa- yeah, great-grandpa great Cato. Okay. Great-grandpa Cato. And uh, he made laws that protected citizens from harsh treatment. He was protecting the people because people could be, like, whipped and stuff like poor people. Uh, if you weren't noble, they, like, basically nobles could do whatever. And he put an end to that. Like, he put up laws that were like, nah, we're going to stop, like, protect poor people. And he was, like, really into agriculture. And so he was well-respected in the Roman Republic. Which means by the time Cato the Younger was born, he was born into a pretty, 
well-known family. So, like, he was born into privilege. Mm. <laughs> so, the next thing I got to say to set the stage for things is, uh, this is where we are going to talk about the war with Carthage. So, Carthage was like the mortal enemy of Rome. Yeah. Rome hated Carthage. Mm-hmm. And they did a crazy genocide on Carthage. Rome went in, burned it to the ground, and salted the earth so that nothing would ever grow there again. Good. And exterminated all of the Carthaginians. <laughs> so that was the first ever, uh, it's argued, the first ever like recorded genocide. Where they went in, like, we don't want these people to exist anymore. We're going to literally fucking salt the earth so nobody could ever grow anything here again. Damn. Which is a pretty hardcore genocide. That is harsh. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, Hannibal was the main leader of Carthage, and they captured him. He was defeated by a guy named Scipio Africanus. Africanus was the name given to him after he defeated Carthage in Africa. Because Carthage, they were located in Sicily, but also in uh, northern Africa. Yeah, the very, like, upper portion mm-hmm. in the Mediterranean. Yes, and so... This guy, Scipio Africanus, defeats them. And that got a lot of money for Rome. So not only is, like, the the city's changing because it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger and politics are becoming more and more modern. And you have this destruction of Carthage where they took everything. So they're now, they were also all the way up in Spain taking shit up there. Hmm. So there was, like, riches, tons of riches pouring into Rome at this time. So, like, the divide between rich and poor was just becoming larger and larger and larger. Now, doesn't that sound familiar? Yeah, it rings a bell. Have you heard of, have you heard of something like that happening yeah. before ever? With the 1%. Yes. Yeah. That keeps happening bad in Rome, like bad, mm. to the point where it, it gets out of hand to the point where civil war is going to happen. Okay. Uh, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> uh-oh. Yeah, I know. This does not portend well. For us, but this is what happens. So we're going to talk about these two brothers. They were Tiberius Gracchus and Gaius Gracchus. They were, okay, they were pretty famous because they were like super liberals for the time. Mm. They proposed massive land redistribution deals because, as I said, the wealth gap was growing. Rich people were getting more and more land, and they had recently had a vote to uh, give citizen Roman citizenship to all Italians, which was crazy because at the time, Italy wasn't a thing. I mean, it was a geographical thing, but it wasn't a, a thing. Okay. Um, the cities were all their own thing. You know, you had Geneva and you had Rome and you had Athens and Greece, and mm-hmm. they were all city states, n- not nations. But they did know, like they could, they did know that the geography of Italy kind of made them one thing. So it was proposed to make them all citizens. And that was like, well, if we do that, where the fuck are we going to get, like, food and everything for everybody? Because Rome's already almost a million people. We're just going to add a bunch of rural people? Right. So they were talking about making, like, everybody mm-hmm. in Italy mm-hmm. a Roman citizen. Which would have sucked because then you can't take land from them. Which is the mm. only way that senators are able to really gain power. Because, see, you as a senator, it was gauche. It was not cool for you to be a merchant. You could be a farmer or you could conquer land. And since senators always needed to be richer than the merchants so that the merchants didn't take over, they had to constantly be at war or be farming like a motherfucker, Mm. (laughs) which means they needed (laughs) slaves, which they had to go to war to get. So these senators are basically forced into constantly going to war to get new land so they can pay off people to get more votes. 
it's not that different from the way the United States works. I mean, works. not really. Mitch McConnell, I'm looking uh-huh. at you. Yeah. I mean, we just do it with like corporations and capital, mm. but they did it with land. And right. so these guys were post- proposing like to do a land redistribution deal. We're going to like redistribute the land and we're going to limit how much land a person can own and we're going to give all the excess to poor people. And as you can imagine, the poor people were fucking stoked about this well, idea. Well, yeah, but then nobody else was. Right. So they both got assassinated. I was going to say, they were <laughs> they were killed immediately, weren't yeah. they? Yeah. So they were killed by, this name is going to be important, <laughs> they were killed by the Optimites. The Optimites was essentially the conservative faction of the Senate. They're what you would, in modern terms, maybe call the conservative side. The Optimites. They were opposed by the Populares who would be the liberal, quotes, <laughs> side of things. These terms are loose. Mm. They're very loose. So the Optimites are generally the conservatives, and the Populares are generally the Democrats, but it's it's not necessarily locked in. So they even still had basically a two-party system? Yes, it was two. It was It was conservative and liberal. Huh. And the two factions were in a heated struggle when Cato the Younger was born. There was a civil war raging in Rome, and the first dude who, like, won power, the first time somebody came into Rome and won power happened when Cato was a kid. And this dude's name was Sulla. Sulla was... So there was a law in Rome against carrying military weapons into the into the magical boundary of the city. They had, like, an arbitrary magic line that was, like, the city line. And if you had a sword or a dagger... You could be killed for that in ancient Rome. They had an assault weapons ban, hmm. essentially. It was like only those weapons. So everybody carried like like little small saps and little things to beat the shit out of each other because they were constantly being violent. <laughs> they just couldn't use swords. Like brass knuckles. Yes, those were very popular. They hmm. invented a thing called the Roman cestus, which was like a glove that they would just glue a bunch of fucking metal on, like a boxing glove <laughs> with metal glued onto it that you could just pound the shit out of someone with. So you're like, you're getting ready for the day. Yeah. And you're like, and she's like, where, your wife's like, where are you going today, honey? And he's like, I've got to go into town. And he's like, strapping on all this armor with with metal spikes on it Uh because he can't carry a sword. Because he can't have a sword or a dagger, which is important to remember. She's like, okay, have a good day. (laughs) Yeah. It was kind of a smart idea, though, if you think about it, because... They were a republic. They didn't have a dictator. And so the, as long as you kept armies outside the city, no one could theoretically seize power by force. Mm. That was the whole idea. It's a pretty good idea because they were like, if people could just march their armies in here, they might just kill everybody in the Senate and take over. Now, did every did each senator have their own army or something? Pretty much. Uh, the, you would get assigned armies. So the Senate would vote and vote you to be in charge of X army. Mm. So they had huge amounts of standing armies that camped outside of Rome and they would send you on a mission and they would vote who's going to go. So they would be like, Nancy Pelosi, it's your job to fucking head over to <laughs> Get Turkey. Get out there, Nancy. It's your turn. Yeah. And see what you see, how much you could bring back. That was the way it worked. It's fucking crazy, but that's how it worked. Hmm. Yeah. So while this all was going on, essentially Sula took power. Uh, he was a raging dick. He did a military coup and took force as dictator. So he broke the rules and like. So he went in uh-huh. armed and took over the city. Mm-hmm. In a, in a military coup and marched. It was the first time somebody had done that since they'd had kings. Wow. Which was hundreds and five hundred years ago. 
So if you got to think twice the amount of time we exist as a country, they were fine and never had anybody seize power by force, Hmm. which is pretty fucking impressive. That's a good track record. Yeah. They also never lost any wars during that time. They lost some battles, but they had a good 200-year stretch where they didn't lose a single war, which... By <laughs> they're beating the shit out of us. I could say that for sure. What are you talking about? Our textbooks say we haven't lost any. Either. <laughs> yeah, we haven't lost the war. <laughs> They've all been draws, or we won. Mm-hmm. So there were some stories about when Cato was a young kid. They're probably not true. Uh, people tend to embellish because we only know about Cato mostly from this guy named Plutarch, who was writing a uh, Greek guy who was writing about a hundred years later. But he was writing from contemporary sources, so Cato had written a lot, and so he was you know, judging Cato's life based on contemporary sources. But he was writing 100 years later, so there's some hearsay in there. And so some of the stories about him are, you know, may or may not have exactly happened the way it says, but they do say a lot about him as a person because apparently when Cato was a kid, he was like eight, and he asked for a, he asked his tutor for a sword so that he could assassinate Sulla because he didn't like the tyranny mm-hmm. of Sulla being a dictator who, you know, seized, seized power by force and was killing a bunch of people. So you already have Cato at eight years old being like, oh, I'll just kill the tyrant. Like, mm-hmm. that's straight up what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Because that's kind of what his uncle, I mean, his great-grandfather had been. It, like, it ran in the family that, like, when somebody gets too tyrannical, you need to kill them. Which is a fucking badass family tradition, if you think about it. It's genetic. Yeah. It's just like, when shit gets too crazy, I need to step in. Which is pretty cool. That actually happens with Brutus, too. Uh, we'll learn about that. His family was like, when people become tyrants, people in this family assassinate you. And ah. they did it a few times, which is kind of badass, hmm. I gotta say. So, he he refused to support Italian citizenship when Cato was young. Uh, he was a little kid. Again, he was like eight years old. And his tutor's trying to tell him about Italian citizenship. And he's like, no. Uh, we've never done that before. Rome is special. And the tutor allegedly held him out a window upside down to try to get him to say like he would support it. And he, he just <laughs> fell silent. So like that gives you an idea of who Cato was. Like the idea that like he's a very stoic person is the word we're going to uh, use. Uh-huh. Um, because when he was about 16, he got a sweet ass job as one of the only 15 people get to do this job at a time. Go attend the Sibylline Oracles, which were these weird Greek books that were written in hexameter where the Greeks were fucking high as shit. (laughs) And they wrote all these crazy poems, Mm -hmm. and the Romans thought they were, like, predictive or magical or something. Mm -hmm. And so, that like, he would go study these crazy Greek writings that were written by just high as fuck Greeks. (laughs) Which is a pretty sweet job. Like, it it was a very sacred job, and he was considered to be very important and to be learning, like esoteric knowledge from this but really it was just the ramblings of crazy greek stoners Mm. so i think that's kind of funny yeah um but he became very educated at this time he was around really really smart people so he became educated in rhetoric and how to speak and how to become a public person and so i think this is a good time to like sort of leave uh, leave off for this week because next week we're going to get into like he became very interested in stoicism and that becomes like the defining characteristic of cato He's like the, the, the ideal stoic. Um, even though he's really not. He will break a lot of the rules, you'll find, which is funny. But he's still known as like an ideal stoic. And those stories about him as a kid, I think, were were put there to kind of get you in that mood for what kind yeah. of person he was. Yeah, like they had to paint him a certain yeah, way. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a stubborn guy who, who stands on his beliefs very strongly. Which, 
is could be good, could be bad. We're gonna see where that's gonna go. I'll I'll let you I'll let you sit on that one. <laughs> yeah, great. Yeah. So uh, I I think we'll stop it there. I, I really think it's an interesting story. I've 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 had some fun telling it already. It's pretty nuts. It's until you say it out loud, you don't realize how wild some of this shit is. Because when I was looking it up, I was like, really? Oh wow, this is weird. Mm-hmm. So. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something. And tu- I did. Yeah. Tune in next week and we'll get more into the life of Cato. This should be, I'm thinking, three or four episodes to tell to tell this story. And uh, it should be a really interesting story. You're going to find things start to line up more and more with modern times. And it starts to become funnier and funnier mm. as this goes along. So tune in next week and see where this crazy story takes us. Bye.